Welcome into another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. December 15th, 2021. We're into the thick of the basketball season, and that's going to be our focus today. A little bit later, we're going to talk with Kate Peterson-Abiad from the WIAA. Just talk about how the basketball season's going so far, some of the changes that will uh, occur this year, some of them new changes like seeding of the uh, the regionals and, and sectional groupings, some of them changes back to where things were prior to COVID. Hopefully, we, we get all those things back to normal. Um We'll also talk to Kate about uh, some of the challenges that still exist. What are some of the potential things that are, are down the road that they're dealing with? And get a little bit of a, a glimpse into the future on what are some things that could be coming uh, in high school basketball, not necessarily this year, but in the next few years. Shot clocks, changes to sectionals, what, what could it be? So we'll talk with Kate about those things and uh, just get a, a little bit of an update on uh, on the state of basketball. Before we do get to that, we do want to remind you to help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Also, uh, want to mention real quick, uh, before we get to our interview with Kate, uh, a, a real big-time opportunity for high school basketball fans in the Madison area to see some great teams and great players. This weekend, the 608 Basketball Tournament at Madison College, Friday night and Saturday, uh, featuring three outstanding, highly-ranked teams from Wisconsin and one out-of-state team from Illinois. You've got Madison LaFollette and Lacrosse Central st- uh, starting things at 6.30, and then at 8 o'clock on Friday at Madison College, Yorkville Christian out of Illinois will play DeForest. The three Wisconsin teams, Madison LaFollette, Lacrosse Central, and DeForest, were all picked as favorites in their conferences coming into the year by Mark Miller in the Wisconsin Basketball Yearbook, all ranked in the most recent Wisports.net coaches poll. Yorkville Christian, one of the top programs in Illinois, featuring one of the country's top shooters, Jaden Shute, a senior, uh, committed to Duke. He's going to be playing at Madison College this weekend, Friday and Saturday, averaging about 29 points a game. Not the only uh, outstanding player on their team. K.J. Vosser, another senior, averages 22 points a game. David Douglas Jr., who is a junior, averages about uh, almost 20 points a game. And uh, they're the top-ranked team in Illinois' small school division and a favorite for a a state championship in Illinois. So again, a Duke recruit, Jaden Shute, coming to uh, Madison College playing Friday and Saturday, uh, those games Friday night, and then the console, or excuse me, the, uh, the next round would be Saturday, 3.30 for the consolation game, 5.15 for the championship game, all those games at H. Douglas Redston Gymnasium. Uh, you can find tickets, the, the link to buy tickets, and the, uh, the prices and everything else, all the information, the schedule, at, uh, on our article at wisports.net. That's the 608 basketball tournament set for this weekend at Madison College. And as promised, getting to our special guest for today to talk a little bit about the girls and boys basketball seasons, Kate Peterson-Abiad, Assistant Director at the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association. That might be the first time I ever said that the, the right way without fumbling over it. Just should just say WIAA always, right, Kate? That's much easier. 
<laughs> uh, Kate, appreciate you joining us to uh, talk a little bit of hoops today and hoops season. Uh, it's been, um, you know, I, I think a pretty good start to the year. What, uh, you know, what has been your start to the year? How things have, how have things gone in the early going here? Well, it's, you know, I hate to even say out loud that it's, um, you know, that we haven't had any major snags at this point. I hate to say that and fear that, uh, things could change. And, and we all know that there are looming potential issues with, you know, COVID still being around and, and that type of thing. But at this point, um, you know, we are all learning how to just continue to move forward. And I think we've learned that over the past, you know, almost two years now. So really um, things have been moving forward as um, close to normal as, as we could expect. As of right now, what guidelines, protocols, procedures does the WIA have in place for COVID, uh, recommendations to schools, changes to anything? What What is in place as of right now as schools are, are underway? So this year, we, we kept our COVID recommendations up on our website for any schools that need to take a look at it or need to utilize some of the protocols that we had in place last year, they're able to do that. Um, but we have given um, each school, each member school, the ability to um, pretty much navigate that with their local health department and figure out for themselves, you know, how to handle situations. So what that means for our members is if you're visiting a school that has stricter regulations than your school does, then you'd be expected to comply with the home team's, um, I guess, protocol for managing COVID. Um, and if they're playing at your school, you know, you can't, you you can mandate, uh, you can mandate wearing of masks, for example, or um, you know, if they if they decided they didn't want to do the jump ball this year, they could do that. Um, but, you know, for our officials, they have to check in at each school when they officiate. They have to say, hey, what what type of accommodations are we having at this particular school for this game? And um, school districts are allowed to set that protocol and it may change throughout the course of the season. Now, for us moving into the tournament, we haven't set any any type of parameters at this point heading into the tournament because it's too early. Um I know that for at the current time, the Resh Center is allowing the event hosts to determine the COVID protocol. So if we, you know, are going to the Resh Center and we determine that masks are not required, uh, they they are fine with whatever our determinations are. Um, at the Cole Center, it will be determined by you know the mask mandate that's in place in in Dane County. So. Um, <clears throat> we're waiting to see, you know, we get closer to tournament time before we can make those announcements of what our expectations will be during the tournaments. To, to your knowledge, uh, and of course, as you said, Dane County does have a mask mandate right now. So their players are playing with a mask. Um, but to your knowledge, are there other schools or how many other schools are doing any kind of accommodations right now, whether it's masking, whether it's elimination of the jump ball, some of those other protocols that were in place last year is outside of Dane County. Is anyone doing any of that? Do you know? I'm not aware. That's not something that we've surveyed with our members at this point. Um, 
So I'm not aware of who is or who isn't. Um, you know, we've had some contact with teams that have had to go into quarantine or, um, you know, had to uh, potentially teach virtually, you know, shut down the school building and, and teach virtually. Uh, but I, I don't have any kind of data about who is mandating masks and who isn't or who is, you know, using the jump ball or who isn't. I know I, I was a part of the volleyball season earlier and many, many of the schools chose not to switch benches, which was a, a COVID accommodation that we put in last year. And I think a lot of schools just continued that because it was easy and and uh, I think a lot of them tended to like it. So uh, I don't I don't see as many of our member schools doing that with some of our basketball accommodations. I think people reverted back to the jump ball and and, you know, I don't know if they're wiping down the ball between, you know, at timeouts or what have you. But um, I, as I said, I don't have data on that, but whatever they need to do um, to keep this keep this sport going, we're we're supportive of. so. Let me ask you a question that is is loaded in a lot of ways and probably um, not one that you hope you have to deal with. But let's say we get to March and the Rush Center and everywhere else in Wisconsin is not requiring mask usage, but the Cole Center in Dane County or or uh, the University of Wisconsin is requiring masks for everybody, including participants on the court. Would there be any discussion of moving? the boys basketball state tournament, the wrestling state tournament out of Madison in the Cole center, if there was restrictions such as that? Uh, that's a really nice loaded question. Thank you for asking. But <laughs> I, I would say, I would say that's a bridge to be crossed as we get closer to the time of the tournament. Now, you know, we, we have, there's a lot of, a lot that goes on. Um, you know, we just met today with our TV production crew. And, and so there's a lot of things that have to happen. Uh, it, it, it hopefully would not be a last minute decision. We will be having, we're ongoing. Uh, we have ongoing conversations with the university of Wisconsin and talking about what their protocols are and their mandates and that type of thing. Um, I don't, I don't know that requiring fans to wear masks would be a deal breaker in this situation, but you know, it just depends on what what expectations there are of our tournament. And we'd have to make that decision. That would be a Stephanie Hauser decision, not, not a Kate Peterson Aviat decision. So um, I think she will be discussing those types of things with the Cole Center and, and so forth moving forward. The joys of being the executive director, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, again, hopefully we don't get to that point. Hopefully things improve, things uh, you know improve in Dane County and Madison to the point that we do not have those kinds of discussions, but we will see for sure. Um, last year we saw uh, not just game protocols that changed, but a lot changed with the state tournament, the uh, the playoffs themselves, you know, smaller pods of teams. Um, Reseeding the the sectionals, uh, obviously different host facilities last year. A lot of things changed last year, and it it as you were saying, as of right now, everything's going back to normal, right? Um, one of the things that we're looking forward to is also getting back to the three point challenge. Uh, we've we've done some um, some promotion of that 
already and looking forward to getting that back, uh, back to a normal, uh, year. So, you know, what, what other things are you looking forward to getting back to normal when it comes to that state tournament? Well, let's just, let's just take a second and make a plug for, uh, the coaches needing to get their, uh, statistics in for the three point challenge onto your website by Monday, the 20th is their first deadline. Um, so let's just make sure that we make them aware and, and we're sending out, uh, some reminder emails as well, but the 20th is the first entry uh, point has to be done by the, by midnight on the 20th. Um, and, and then I would say to you, I better question would be, what am I not looking forward to returning to normal? I just, you know, last year we had to very quickly sort of reinvent our tournaments and try to think outside the box and be creative and find ways to make it workable for as many people to be eligible to participate or given, given an opportunity to participate. And whether that meant multiple venues or, you know, we're trying to get with basketball, we were, you know, we, we explored five different venues, three different venues, two different venues, um, trying to make it work also with television because we wanted the general public to be able to watch the games as well, since um, there was going to be limited attendance and we wanted it to feel normal around the state um, as far as being able to watch our tournament. Um, so all of those things, those they were all really kind of a scramble to, to get it done and, and a puzzle to put together. Um, looking forward to, you know, I have a, I'm a checklist person, Travis, and I've got a checklist as long as my arm of everything has to be done before the boys and girls basketball tournaments. And I had to throw that out the window last year and start over. So I'm looking forward to checking boxes and, and getting things done, you know, the way they have been done in previous years. We're talking with Kate Peterson, Abiyad, assistant director at the Wisconsin interscholastic athletic association. That's two in a row. I'm going to take a win yeah. on that. Um, Continuing our conversation about uh, specifically basketball and how the season is going. And one thing that will be different this year, though, is for the first time, the teams at the regional level, the first uh, first group of the playoffs will be seated by uh, auto seating or computer seating, something instituted by the WIAA and uh, with uh, some work with the WBCA as well. Um, without you know getting into the exact components of the formula and, and what have you, but just talk us through how that will work, if it will change timelines or anything like that, and just how how you think that computer seeding will go this year and going forward. Well, this is something that has been talked about for a number of years, and other sports football started doing electronic seeding. Um, and so we knew that shortly after that, other sports would likely be interested in doing electronic seating. So basketball uh, last year was potentially going to be the first year that kind of got set by the wayside with all the other things that were going on. And now this year it's actually coming to fruition. So what happens is all of the games that are being played right now by our member schools are being recorded into our computer system. So uh, all the home team coaches are, putting their scores in to our website and we are able to take their, all the scores that are in and run the scores 
um, and the schedules through a computerized formula that will then spit out a perfectly, uh, I guess, a perfect rendition of the the seating for our teams within within their groupings. Um, of course, that's a, that's just a, a wish. I, I know that there will be in our first year there will be some concerns about you know potential rankings and seatings and stuff like that. Uh, but there that will not be any different than it has been in the past when we've been doing seating by coaches. Um, there's always been concerns about you know jockeying for position and maybe um, you know some some coaches kind of teaming up together to help seed to their advantage or, or what have you. I mean, we've hear, heard those types of things for years and this will take the human element out of it. And there's been a formula that's been created by a team of people. We've given the components of the, of the formula, which will include the, you know, your own winning percentage, your opponent's winning percentage, your opponent's opponent's winning percentage, your defeated opponent's winning percentage, your defeated opponent's opponent's winning percentage, and your own winning percentage potentially versus teams in your regional or sectional grouping. So those types of things are all put into this formula, and the scores will be run through that. And you know, at, at the end of the year, before the regionals begin, we will have a automated seating, and that there is no appeal process this year. This is the first year, and it, where you are seated is where you will compete in the tournament. And if at the end of this tournament season, we find that there are some things that, you know, were maybe some areas that it, this formula didn't work very well, we'll be able to tweak that formula a little bit, but this is a really good starting place. And I think people are excited to be moving into this realm of seating rather than face-to-face -face and coaches doing the voting on seating. And full disclosure, as, uh, as you know well, Kate, I was involved in that process through a relationship with the WBCA. So uh, similar to the involvement that uh, that I was able to do with the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association to help with uh, with that process as well. Good, uh, good chance to remind everybody to help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Uh, Kate, as we continue to to look at high school basketball and in you know some of the changes this year, and, and some of it is changing back to what we have had in the past. Mm -hmm. But as we kind of take an eye forward, um, what are some things on the horizon from a rules perspective, from a season construction perspective, from a tournament perspective that you know are are being discussed, are being talked about that could be the next thing for high school basketball in the state. And I'll ask you specifically about everybody's favorite hot topic uh, issue, the shot clock. Um, where are we at with that? And where are we at, what are some other things that could be coming down the line, you know, from the coaches and from the WIAA uh, after mm -hmm. the season, as those meetings are held and everybody kind of reviews what's next? Well, I think there's two probably front running uh, concepts that are being talked about right now. One, you already mentioned the shot clock. The National Federation uh, put out a rule this year that allows state high school associations to choose whether they want to adopt a shot clock or not. Um, in the past, 
if you chose to adopt a shot clock, it would, you were out of compliance with the National Federation. They didn't go as far as to say high school basketball will have a shot clock, but they did go far enough to say high school basketball will be allowed a shot clock if the high school association determines that it's what the state wants. Um, so the first step in that is to start conversations about the shot clock again, because since um, a few years ago when we had the shot clock pass and then then it was rescinded, there has not been a lot of conversation about the shot clock. It sort of was a topic that was pushed aside a little bit. Like, let, let's just let this lie for a little while, let things settle down and then potentially talk about it again. And one of the things that the coaches advisory committee talked about was really not bringing it back around maybe until the national federation started talking about it. Well, now the national federation is talking about it and giving us an opportunity to use the shot clock. If we want it starting in the 22, 23 basketball season. Um, one of the things that happened right out of the gates was that Minnesota uh, or sorry, Iowa adopted it for the 22, 23 season. Um, and there are a lot of other sports, a lot of other states that are also having this discussion. Um, I know that we talked about it at the area meetings with the athletic directors, asking, just simply telling them that it's out there and we better start discussing um, within our own communities if it's something that you support. This will be a membership-wide vote. This will not be, you know, really, we're, we're trying to get membership wide uh, feedback on this, I should say. So we want to know where, where the state of Wisconsin is right now. Um, at one point it was uh, believed that coaches were more in favor of the, of the shot clock than say athletic directors or superintendents or principals, uh, for example. So we want to find out one vote from every community what do you think? Where where are you leaning? You like it? You don't like it? Um, so that's the first step is to get the communities talking about it, deciding the administrative, you know, crew talking about it with their coaches, find out whether they're in support of it or not for both boys and girls basketball. The NFHS has already released what the rules will be if if our state chooses to adopt the shot clock. It's already set. It'll be a 35 second. Um, all of the information is available on um, how it will be reset and when and all of that. All those rules have been developed within the NFHS. All we would need to determine is whether we're going to have it or not. And of course, that would mean implementing shot clocks in every gym and finding people to operate the shot clock um, at each high school game. So those types of things have to be considered as well. And so first step is getting people to talk about it. And then we're going to try to collect some of that information, finding out where we think our membership falls right now, and then take that information into coaches advisory where we can determine whether we think, uh, you know, a, a proposal is warranted to put this back on the table and see where we go from here. Um, I think it'll be a discussion now that will be had for you know many years to come, or or if it's adopted, um, then I guess the conversation will stop. But uh, I, I think it's I think it's now back in the forefront. 
Well, we don't know if it'll stop for sure because it was adopted That's before, true. as you said, and, and rescinded. That's so true. You, you, you never know. Although I, I would, I would venture to guess if it is implemented this time, it would be for good. Um, what, what else? What uh, one of the other things that a lot of coaches talk about, and I don't know if this is as big of an issue um, at the AD or admin level, but you know how how sectionals or regionals are constructed. There's a lot of talk about that. Does it make sense to draw bigger circles to do half sectionals or seating by a whole sectional? Are, are those anything that is really, uh, you know, on your radar or that could be brought up at that coach's advisory after the, the season? Do you think? Um, you know, we, we, I don't know that those are really hot topics right now. There are people who are each year, there's some frustrations with the ways the sectionals are, you know, divided up. I mean, it's not a perfect science. It's, it is, you know, sort of, they're called circles, but they end up being more of an amoeba than a circle. You're just trying to get the same number of schools in each circle. Um, so, so, you know, and like I said, they, there's different ways that they can be drawn in some areas of the state. That's not necessarily true in the northwestern part of the state when it comes to like Division One, for example. There aren't a lot of Division One schools up in that area. So there's not many ways to change the sectional groupings, um, regional, I should say, and sectional groupings. Um, we did the, the uh WBCA did a survey, said that they would like to see some changes every couple of years to how the circles are drawn, if there are ways to do that. And basically what I'm saying is if the circle tended to be tall and skinny, we maybe could make it short and wide and, and do, you know, do the sectionals that way. And so we did do that this year um, it, when we could, when there were, you know, in more heavily populated areas. Um, and, and there were a lot of people who came back and said, why are we doing this? <laughs> but it was uh, heavily favored from the WBCA poll that people wanted to see a little bit of change, you know, every couple of years, maybe not every year, but every so often to see it mix up a little bit. Um, and then, you know, I think the other thing that I'm hearing that we heard the most about was trying to get eight teams to state in all five divisions, which would mean expanding, you know, doubling our tournament field at this point. And so we've had some discussions, had a, a group of people who put together, um, you know, kind of what that might look like. And um, it, and we're having some discussions about it and it would, you know, drastically change the look of our state tournament um, from a spectator standpoint, the proposal is to use multiple venues, not one, and in various places, you know, around the state and, um, and just, you know, potentially within driving distance if, and having each division maybe in its own spot, just some different ideas like that, um, or potentially one spot with, you know, a tournament that goes five days instead of three days. Um, there are some ideas that are circulating out there and uh, we're trying to, you know, converse about those ideas and see what catches on. And if, if something catches on to, to the point where, you know, the, there's a proposal that's made to making that type of a change and see how that goes through, um, you know, through the channels and whether that gathers any, any momentum or not. 
I'll get some uh, Division One coaches mad at me, but we could just have everything, uh, the quarterfinals on Tuesdays, uh, you know, at a, a gym, big gym in the Madison area, perhaps, or just around the state and could even come up with a name for it. Maybe even call it Super Tuesday or something like that. Uh, we won't get too into that. 2000, what was it? 2011, uh, the WI did that uh, when they first went to uh, five divisions, I think it was, and it was only for division one and they did not like that. But uh, it's interesting. It, all, all ideas end up getting recycled, it seems like, right? Um, everything kind of comes back around, whether it was something that was, you know, significantly supported or not previously. So interesting, uh, interesting ideas and a lot of, uh, as you said, discussion, and a lot of different viewpoints that people have on how things should work and, and whether that, you know, makes, makes the most sense or not. So very interested to see where those conversations go in, uh, in the coming months and in the coming years through the WIAA. Uh, you've been now, what is this year three, I think at the WIAA, is that right? Yeah, this is uh year one, two, yeah, three or four. I'm beginning my, I'm in my fourth year right now. Fourth year. Okay. I can't keep back. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you spent many years as a women's basketball coach at the NCAA level um, at Wisconsin as an assistant uh, head coach for many years at Cleveland State. As you've kind of settled into your role at the WIAA, you know, do you look back at your college days and miss it? How often do you miss it? And, you know, how, how much are you able to kind of pay attention to uh, Cleveland State, to the, the Badgers or Marquette or, or whatever else is going on in women's college basketball? Well, you know, it, it, you have to catch me on a certain day because every day it changes a little bit. You know, I, there are times when I miss it a great deal. I mean, I miss the relationships I had with the college players and the, the time you spend recruiting them and the time you spend with their families and, and that type of stuff. It's a, it's a really, it can be a very deep relationship with, with the kids that you coach and, uh, I missed that a little bit. And, uh, and I actually had been, you know, texting, I, I do watch Cleveland state games still. I still have, uh, two players that I recruited on that team. Um, and I, and some of them have dispersed and gone to other schools. And so I watch those schools as well. I like, you know, keeping up with the horizon league, certain leagues I coached in that league for, uh, 15 years, and then always keep up with the big 10 because I coached in the big 10 for, uh, eight years. So I, you know, I do keep it in, I do keep in touch with the game a great deal. And, um, and that's fun. I have a lot of coaching friends. I actually sent a text message to a guy uh, that I, uh, competed against and I see that his team is undefeated right now. And I sent him a message and said, I just want you to know really happy for your season. And I'm, you know, I'm living vicariously through you. And he said, well, that's really funny because I I want to hang out with my family and friends, so I'm living vicariously through you. So you know, coaching life is a tough life, and you uh, you, you know you're gone a lot, and and you don't get a, you know you don't get many days or holidays or anything like that off. And so um, you know, there's there's uh, value to both sides of of this coin. And you know, I have young kids, and I'm really just thrilled to be in a situation where I can be deeply involved in sports, um, in a, in an office where I think, um, you know, we really do good for high school athletics and yet still be very involved with my children and the sports that they want to play and, and that type of stuff. So 
it's sort of the best of both worlds for me right now. And, you know, when March Madness comes along, I'll be deep, deep, deep in the NCAA tournament again. And I, I love that time of year. So. Well, good stuff. We're, we're glad to have you at the WIAA. It's been a, a good relationship that we've been able to, uh, to work out over the last number of years and continue that um, with the, uh, with the association. Kate, we'll, uh, we'll let you get on to your, your work that you have and your checklist that you have to get done before the end of the season. Uh, but do appreciate you joining us. I'm sure we will be in touch somewhere along the way. Um, but again, thanks for joining us today on the WSN podcast. You bet. Thanks a lot, Travis. All right. Before we head out, uh, one more reminder, help save lives on Wisconsin roads and eliminate crashes. Join the Wisconsin Department of Transportation's new campaign, Buckle Up, Phone Down. Commit to always buckle your seatbelt and put your phone down while driving. Every trip, every time. Take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. She is Kate Peterson-Abiot. I am Travis Wilson. This has been a Wisports.net podcast. We'll see you at a game.